Hey, horse racing fans, it's almost post time in Kentucky. The horses and jockeys are making their way to one of the most iconic horse racing tracks in the world for this weekend's premier race. So celebrate race day with big hats and even bigger stacks of cash by joining DraftKings free to play pool for your shot at $100,000 in prizes. So grab your hats, mint juleps, and head to the App Store now. Download the DraftKings app and use promo code GOODMANPODCAST to enter the free horse racing pool with $100,000 in prizes up for grabs. Again, that's promo code GOODMANPODCAST to get a free shot at hundred grand in prizes only at DraftKings. Tell you every week about the great folks at Steel. They have over 10,000 dealers around the country, and now we're in the midst of spring. Summer's around the corner. You're getting your backyard in shape. You need steel products like I have. S-T-I-H-L. Go to steeldealers.com. Again, that's steel, S-T-I-H-L. They have battery tools from mowers and blowers to chainsaws and trimmers, and uh, they have the best products out on the market. They're celebrated around the world. Go see for yourself. You're going to load up your garage as I have with their stuff. Real Steel, S-T-I-H-L. Find yours at steeldealers.com. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, Colorado Avalanche TV play-by-play guy, Mark Mosier. You know, you're also a fan. And, you know, that emotion comes out. And, and I, you know, I hope that, that Avalanche fans, you know, they feel that through their television screen with Peter and I because we love the style that they play. Nobody can skate like them as a team. And it's... It's just, uh, it's just awesome to see on a nightly basis. Jeff Breidich is out as general manager of the Rockies. What should the emphasis be for the next Rockies GM? The Rockies have to beef up their analytics department. They lost some people there, and clearly we are in the information age. We've seen it in all sports, particularly in baseball. Drew has those thoughts and much more. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. Leave a comment and tell a friend. That helps other people find the show. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to podcast number 94. Glad, as always, that you are along with us. As you heard, uh, we're going to talk a little avalanche hockey in a bit with an old friend, Mark Mosier, who does a terrific job with Peter McNabb and uh, that whole gang. They have a lot of fun uh, on Altitude covering uh, the Avalanche, and they have a legitimate shot. You heard me talk about this uh, to win a Stanley Cup. Have my fingers crossed. We'll talk some hockey uh, in a little bit with Moj. That'll be uh, a lot of fun. But a big shout out initially to uh, one of my partners on AT&T Sportsnet, and that is Mark Stout. You see, he conducted a little seance on the pregame show the other day. The Rockies had started out 0 and 7 on the road. Uh, I, I don't know what he was doing. He had on a, some sort of uh, get up, and, and next thing there was like smoke on the set. And the Rockies came from behind and won a baseball game on the road 7-5, to five, first time this year. And they did it uh, in dramatic fashion in San Francisco, hitting three home runs in the final two innings. First, it was uh, what looked to be a game-winning home run on the top of the night by Garrett Hampson over the center field wall. I guess we can't keep saying he has he has uh, sneaky pop. He has legit pop. Love Garrett Hampson. You know, I'm a big fan of his. And, and unfortunately, San Francisco tied it with a home run of their own. 
Brandon Crawford, who just kills the Rockies, tied it up against Daniel Bard. So you go to the 10th inning, and Ryan McMahon, who, folks, was on this show just last week, so we gave him some good mojo. I'll have to remind him of that. Hit his eighth home run of the year. And, I mean, this was a big-time clout through the the night air in San Francisco, and he hit it about four miles in one of the deepest parts of the park, two-run home run, and then C.J. Crone would go oppo and hit one over the uh, right field wall, and the Rockies would hold on and win 7-5. to five. Carlos Estevez did a nice job. I know it's one win. I know you started 0-7 on the road, but that was great to see, and how they did it uh, was fun as well. Hey, don't look now, but Rymac... Did I say we gave him good mojo? I did just say that, didn't I? Um, Rymac is now emerging. Eight home runs already. He has six defensive runs saved, DRS. I'm not always big on defensive metrics, but this, this does have some merit, which is number one in the league. He has three at third base. He has three at second base. So he's playing by that measurement in the early going, gold glove caliber defense at two different infield spots. And he's got easy pop. You know what's different? Yeah, we talked about him cutting down on the strikeouts. We talked about him being shorter to the baseball so he's able to catch up to greater velocity. But there is a focus that I see at bat to at bat, regardless of the score. I saw it on Monday when the Rockies were hopelessly out of it and ended up getting blown out 12 to nothing, I still saw a guy that came to the plate with a purpose and a drive. And um, this is going to truly be a breakout season uh, for Ryan McMahon. And he is, going forward, going to be one of the building blocks uh, that the Rockies and their new GM, that's right, uh, News of the Week, uh, will be building around. So congratulations to Ryan McMahon. Got to give Mark Stout credit, man. Love Statter. Very creative. He had a little seance on the set. That's the first ever seance that I recall in sports broadcasting. And it worked as the Rockies uh, finally won out on the road. Before we talk about the uh, the changes in the front office for the Rockies, uh Quick uh, note to make sure you join uh, the boys on the DNVR podcast, uh, Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman, uh, each day. They cover the Rockies. They do a great job, and uh, they're kind enough to allow me to jump on once a week with them. So make sure you give that a listen and download uh, their podcast as well. All right, the news of the week, and it caught uh, many people off guard. I think everybody off guard uh, that, that Jeff Breidich stepped down as general manager. The human side of me, for, forget the baseball side, uh, feels for Jeff in that he had to be absolutely miserable the, the last year or two. Nobody wants to wake up and be, you know, vilified the way he was in social media. Um, and, and that's tough. And you can say, well, you know, he brought it upon himself and this, that, that's debatable because nobody, it's just like when you get angry when you're, favorite player, uh, you know, strikes out with the bases loaded or a guy comes in out of the bullpen and walks two guys in a row and the manager has to get out, get out, go out there and get him. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I don't want to do well. So when you review the resume of Jeff Breidich, can you find fault? Of course you can. You, you can look at, at the free agent signings, many of them that did not work out and 
It's pretty clear. But I'll go back and say a couple of them I thought were good. I thought Wade Davis was great when they signed him. I thought it was it was a wonderful deal. I mean, you're getting a big time closer, uh, a guy with World Series pedigree to come to Colorado. Now he was solid his first year. He led the league in saves, and then after that, unfortunately, it didn't work out. Brian Shaw, you know, you could debate that one because he had so many innings uh, when he came over from Cleveland. That one clearly didn't work out. Jake McGee was was you know on again, off again with the Rockies. They I think signing him was twofold in nature. Uh, he helped recruit Wade Davis, and you help, hoped that uh, he would bounce back. He clearly didn't. Um, but um, the other one of note, Ian Desmond. I'd gotten to know Ian Desmond when he was in Washington and performing well there. A tremendous leader, which you always heard. And he was a very productive player. So I didn't think it was the end of the world when they, they signed him to that five-year, $70 million deal. Clearly, it, it, it didn't work out. We understand that now. So rather than, than sit here and, uh, and try to pontificate on uh, what went well and, and, and the many things that did not go well uh, during Jeff's tenure, I wish him well on a personal level going forward uh, because at least uh, hopefully he'll be able to sleep a little bit uh, better at night and not have to deal with um, – all of the the negativity. It's a tough world, man. If you're going to be a general manager, if you're going to put yourself out front uh, as an athlete, as a front office person in sports in this day and age, you're going to deal with criticism and you better have a thick skin. That is part of it. So if I could mention a couple of items um, and maybe offer up my two cents worth of advice, which is probably all it is worth, for the next general manager uh, of the Rockies. Number one, I, I do think it's important to understand the role of the media. The media and the folks that cover a team are a conduit to the ticket buying public. The fans that, that you hope populate your stadium at 20th and Blake, the folks that, that watch us on TV or when they're driving around, uh, listen to, to Jack and Mike on the radio. Uh, they're, they're Rockies fans in, in this town, in this region, and, and really a, around the country. And I think you have to be a little more transparent. You have to be, you know, more media friendly. And, you know, again, not picking on Jeff, his personality is to keep things close to the vest, which, which is important because you don't want, you know, your secrets all of a sudden uh, out there in a public forum because it could compromise your ability to to do business with other teams. But you also have to understand you got to give a little bit. You have to let people in. The more that you do that and, and the more that you can meet with the media and visit with then the public, uh, they're going to feel more comfortable with Direction, because you're explaining direction of a team, or maybe it is of a move that you made, um, and, and they and they feel like they have some buy-in, and it also will give you some capital when things don't go well, because it is inevitable when you're a general manager, when you're a decision maker, particularly in sports, you don't hit anywhere close to a thousand. Not every trade, not every signing is going to work out. Not even close. Quite frankly, if you if 55% work out well and 45% don't, you're probably doing a heck of a job. 
but how you portray the 45% that don't go well is as important as the credit you can take for the 55%, if you will, that uh, that turned out to be pretty good. And so I, I would be a little more transparent and a little more understanding of the role of the media and that they are just a conduit to the public. And you may not like every media person individually. That's okay. Um, but I do think that will be a you know an important element for whoever has this job uh, going forward. You know, the third thing that I think is of paramount importance, the Rockies have to beef up their analytics department. They lost some people there, and clearly we are in the information age. We've seen it in all sports, particularly in baseball, and the Rockies have to get beefed up in their analytics department. And I still believe it's got to work in concert with old-fashioned scouting on both the amateur and professional level. And there's still some great scouts. Uh, I know this firsthand within the Rockies organization. And, uh, you know, at the top of that heap is the longtime vice president uh, of, of scouting, Billy Schmidt, who is really well thought of in the industry. And you think of all the good players, star level players that have come through the organization. You know, Billy Schmidt's had a hand in that. You know, we were talking about Ryan McMahon uh, earlier. Ryan McMahon was a second round pick. Nolan Arenado was a second round pick. Trevor Story was a supplemental one. Even my partners, uh, you know. Ryan Spielborgs, Corey Sullivan, really solid big league players. And they were, you know, in that seven, eight, nine round area. So, you know, make no mistake. And, you know, along with Zach Rosenthal, assistant general manager, uh, a great scout and, and uh, a great baseball guy, and Johnny Weil, who's an assistant general manager. There are very good people, very good baseball people within that Rockies organization. But whoever ends up being the next general manager, those are the three areas that that I think, um, you know, need some focus in terms of, again, how they deal with the public, being a little more transparent, um, continuing to do uh, a better job in Latin America and, and allowing hopefully more resources uh, going forward for Orlando Fernandez down there. And then also a combination of beefing up the analytics department, the information piece, uh, coupled with, uh, with the scouting department uh, moving forward. So, hey, that's, uh, that's my uh, take on that. Hey, did you happen to notice the uh, Madison Bumgarner seven-inning no-hitter the other day? And there was great debate in the aftermath of that, well, should it count? Well, Major League Baseball says it doesn't count because it wasn't a nine-inning game. And my contention is, well, hold on a second. You have, by design, had seven-inning doubleheaders this year and last year, which means you're telling the players that the games count. If you win today, it's going to go under the win column uh, in front of your team, right? It counts. And if you hit a home run, guess what? You had 12 home runs coming in. You hit a home run in a seven-inning game. You now have 13 home runs. So why the heck, if you go out and throw a no-hitter in a sanctioned major league game that everyone knew going in was going to be seven innings, why should that not count? It absolutely should count with, for me, an asterisk. 
because you have to explain. It was a seven-inning game because in the 2021 season, uh, on occasion, teams played seven-inning doubleheaders. So it's a seven-inning no-hitter. There's an asterisk there. But by all means, everyone knew, both managers strategically knew you were playing 21 outs, at least in regulation. So if Madison Bumgarner didn't give up any hits in what the sanctioned game stated at the beginning of the day was going to be, he deserves a notation in the record book for having thrown a no-hitter. But again, I think it should be designated with an asterisk. But it should be there. It absolutely should be uh, in the record book. All right, told you we're going to talk some hockey with an old friend, Mark Mosier, the Avalanche are one of the most exciting teams I've seen in years. They have a legitimate chance to win a Stanley Cup, and uh, nobody's more enthusiastic in the booth than uh, than Moj. Uh, so hopefully you'll enjoy this uh, sit-down with a guy that's had a nice career, really good run in Colorado, the Avalanche Television play-by-play man, Mark Mosier. Moj, we've known each other a long time. We don't get to see each other much, but I was refreshing myself with your resume because I wanted to know if you were here for the first cup and I'm thinking you arrived right around then from the west coast am I right? Yeah I did Drew Uh, it was actually right after the first cup I got here just like uh, two and a half months after they won the Stanley Cup so uh, I was you know pretty well brushed up on on what the ads were all about I had had done a, a little national stuff and uh, certainly was uh, was looking forward to coming to Colorado. So I knew what was going on. And then, of course, you get an opportunity to work for the team a year later. You're going to take advantage of that. But uh, believe me, I you know I went right you know right to uh, to McNichols Sports Arena as soon as I got to town. I got familiar with everybody, and we were off and running. You know, it's wild. So you grew up in Sacramento, and. When I think of Sacramento, and I, I used to go there frequently when I was doing, you know, the NBA, but I think of Sacramento not only for hoops, but I think of it as a great baseball town. I don't necessarily think hockey. Now, what was your first love or two athletically growing up? Well, for sure, you know, it, it, I was a I was a baseball guy growing up. That was my number one sport, Drew, from the time I was a little guy. You know, and we had two ball clubs right down the road in the Giants and the A's, and so there was plenty of opportunity to, to go see that. And my, you know, my dad would take me. I had, uh, I had, uh, buddies, one, one buddy whose dad was a, uh, an umpire who knew some major league umpires. And so we would get free tickets and the opportunity to go down there. And it was, you know, it was really cool. And there was a time when the Oakland A's were looking to move out of the Coliseum a long, long time ago. And, there was talk that Sacramento could get the Oakland A's, and I was all for that, and, and that never came about. But it's a, you know, it's a, it's a pretty good baseball town. It really is. I mean, there's there's a, a JUCO program there called Sac City College that a lot of guys have played at and gone on to major league careers. So, uh, yeah, baseball was my number one growing up. Certainly, football was there. I've uh, covered the Niners in their training camps in the you know the the early days there in, in Rockland, California, just outside of Sacramento, and. Uh, of course, when the Kings came, it was huge, and that was interesting because I think people were, were Kings fans. They weren't necessarily NBA fans, but hockey came later for me, Drew. I didn't really get involved in hockey. I mean, I'd gone to a couple of games in L.A. with my dad, but I never got into hockey until I moved to Chicago in 1989, and the Blackhawks were just starting to get good, and I was able to go to uh, to Chicago Stadium and see what it was all about. And from that moment on, I was totally hooked. That, 
you know, I, I wish that I had grown up with, uh, you know, with, with the ability to, uh, you know, to have a hockey rink right by my house because that would have been my number one, I think. Yeah, there's something special about the sport. And we'll get into, obviously, the Avs currently in, in a bit. But one quick analogy. One of the most exciting periods in in my career, and we've, we've both, I know I'll speak for you here, we've both been really fortunate to be in the toy store of life and, and, and cover athletics and go to an arena or, or a stadium, you know, on a nightly basis and, and have the best seat in the house. Um, but that team, that 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 five, six-year period where the Avalanche had a Hall of Fame roster and Detroit had a Hall of Fame roster and the Avs win a couple of cups and, and the Red Wings do their things, the most exciting period in terms of covering a team for me, and I draw some analogy to the team that you cover on a nightly basis now because they're not just good they're fun to watch as they win hockey games. Oh, absolutely. I, I, that's a great way to put it, too. And, and you look at the, the team from 96 to 2001 in between the two cups, and that team did evolve. I mean, the, you know, the, the 01 team certainly different, if, you know, mentally and, and makeup-wise from the 96 team, but, you know, a young, you know, just a young, up-and-coming, crazy young team that, that won their first cup. But, uh, but both teams were highly entertaining to watch. I mean, you went to the rink and you, know, you can't win them all, Drew, but even in losses, you're like, man, that was a pretty dang fun hockey game. <laughs> that was, that was pretty awesome, right? I mean, we've all had our down years and, 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 and that certainly is the case. But, but if you're winning and you're playing a brand of hockey or a brand of anything that's appealing to the fan base, to me, that's a win-win. And you're right. I mean, those teams, that, that were battling the Red Wings and those teams that really had an opportunity to win and the expectation was to win every year until the salary cap came in in the last season, it was uh, it, it's just something as you mentioned you can't replicate and I don't know that we'll ever see it again in this town ever you know I mean I would hope that that would be the case but with the, with the way modern day athletics is now you know 25 years removed it's uh, it's a different game now and it's harder to stay on top but. But those teams were stacked, and, and I'm not even sure the fan base knew what they were getting into. But as you know, uh, you, you were here right when the team moved. Man, the fan base embraced that squad, and they sold that joint out every single night. And, and rightfully so. It was, they, they were just so much fun to be a part of. Yeah, because I think back then in, in the East, you had for a period, you know, the Devils, right? And, and, and the Devils were, were a great team, but they played famously, you know, the left-wing lock. And, and guess what? At the end of the night, they won 3-2. to two. But aesthetically, it wasn't as exciting, at least for me to watch, as watching the Avalanche fly up and down the ice every night. And that's the same joy I get watching you and, and Maxie, uh, you know, call the games now. They, they are an absolute joy to watch. Oh, yeah. And, it, you know, it's an excellent point, too, because there are teams around the league, Drew, even today that I admire, you know, that I say, okay, well, you know, it, it, they're, they're a good club, they're disciplined, they've got smart players, they've got all this, but they play a style that I'm like, you, you know, if, if I was broadcasting every game for this team, I'd be like, ah, boy, it's not, it's just not the most fun to watch on a nightly basis. Now, effective and fun can be two different things. They can be the same thing as well. But you're right about that. I mean, you're, you're very fortunate when you get the opportunity to, to love the style that your team plays, yet you get to do their games and they win and they're, they're highly competitive and they're expected to do great things. So, 
That's uh, that's an absolute fact. And, and you know, Drew, like like you too, I, I know you you love baseball, you love all sports, but you know, when, when the Rockies are doing things that are that are genuinely exciting, I mean, when you hit back to back home runs in the top of the tenth inning and one goes into McCovey Cove, you know, you're also a fan, and you know that emotion comes out. And and I you know I hope that at Avalanche fans, you know, they feel that through their television screen with Peter and I because we love the style that they play and we love the up and down nature of this club. Now they take care of their own end first. They're a good club defensively, but man, they nobody can skate like them as a team and it's it's just uh it's just awesome to see on a nightly basis. Yeah, and you, and you see it with how lopsided the shots on goal are, uh, you know, leading the league in 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 disparity between, you know, shots on goal and uh in what the opposition is doing and McKinnon's line and and Nathan McKinnon electric. I mean, he's truly, you know, a generational Player, and I know we throw that term around sometimes in a cavalier fashion in athletics, uh, but I hope people realize what they have in town. Just like I'd say, you know, when the building doesn't have ice down with what the Joker's done. I mean, th- this is not every year or every few years kind of guy that, that rolls into town and he, okay, he's our best player and he's, you know, an all star. This cat's different in Nathan McKinnon. Oh, he's very different. You know, I think in, in 20 years, you and I will be, will be gray, and we'll be sitting around having a cold one, and we'll look back, you know, maybe 30 years if, if I make it that long. I know you will. You're, you're in great shape. <laughs> but uh, but uh, you know what I mean? We'll look back, and, and what I try to do now is I, I don't want to anymore take for granted what, you know, what, what you have in front of you, right? You don't want to take for granted – you know, guys that, that are playing in your city and they're awesome players and just not enjoy it while you have the opportunity. Yeah, no question. I want to go back to something you said a moment ago because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay you uh, what I think is a, is a you know, hopefully a, a, a great compliment. You bring tremendous enthusiasm. And I used to do the pre and post game with, with Peter and, and Peter, you know, still has such great joy. You can feel it when he gets to the rink. He just loves hockey, anything about hockey. He'll talk to you about hockey, you know, all day long. But Moj, I, I remember when Kenny Miller, who who you work for and, and is a dear friend of mine, when he said he was making the change and, and you were going to move from, from radio to television, I was like, this is a great move because Moj's um, affection and love for for the game, I mean, it just jumps through the screen, and it's authentic. It's not, you know, you're not trying to put on a show. You're not acting. And so, you know, again, I say it not to embarrass you, but it comes through every time that you, uh, you know, you put the headset on, man. Well, I appreciate that. I, yeah, I guess, like you said, we are, I mean, we're in the candy shop of life in terms of our careers, you know, and I try not to ever, ever take it for granted, ever, you know. And and I, you know, I love what I'm doing. I know you love what you're doing too. But but I also want the fans. And, and Drew, I guess there were times when when the team wasn't that good, and you're going through very struggling type of seasons. And you know what? You you can still connect with the fans, right? I mean, you can show your your disappointment. You can show, you know, and, and we all do it. Uh, I've heard some of your calls, and I said. I said, there's DG, man. He's, he's wearing it. And that's okay because, you know, we, 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 what we got us into sports is, is love for it. And, and then you become affectionate for that team. And that's, that's, those are your guys and your squad. And, and I've never wanted it more than the players have, but I've always just, I, I hope that 
my enthusiasm for the game, and maybe part of this is Peter McNabb has rubbed off on me. You know, Drew, he can get excited about one shift in one game. You could lose 6-1, to one, but yeah. he was excited about this shift by this guy or maybe this one guy who's the third or fourth liner, and, and you know maybe he didn't even show up on the stat sheet. But he made these plays that are hockey plays, and that, that, you know, that gets peed off, right? I mean, he different little things like that. And so I guess over the, over the years, even in the bad seasons, I've learned to, to just see what, what is fun about the game. And, and as they say, you know, bad day at the rink, what, better than a, a good day anyplace else, or a bad day at the ballpark is, is better than a good day uh, doing anything else. So I guess, you know, like you, in many regards, I try to, I try to wear that, but, but it is, it's all natural, it's all silly sometimes, and I get, you know, fans from other teams giving me the business, but what do I care? I care about Avalanche fans, and I care about our audience. We'll continue with our Ideal Home Loans interview of the week, Mark Mosier, in a moment. Well, we love celebrating Colorado businesses, and one of the finest there is is Ideal Home Loans. Brent Ivinson started this company 20 years ago, and they have thrived because you all have saved so much money and enjoyed the process through the years because they make it simple, they make it efficient, they take care of you, they care about you at Ideal Home Loans. I know firsthand, I've done several loans with them. 303-867-7000 is how you reach them. 303-867-7000, Ideal Home Loans. So if you just bought a house, you're in the process of that, you're looking to consolidate debt, or perhaps you're just refinancing, you must give them a call, 303-867-7000. It's Ideal Home Loans. Start my day every day with Boyer's Coffee. And you know what, I feel good about it, first of all, because their coffee tastes great. I finish my day with it, as you know, at the ballpark. Uh, from the Boyer's Cafe on the club level, which is uh, just around the corner from our broadcast booth. But uh, I feel doubly good about it because they're a locally owned and operated company. They're community-minded. They are environmentally conscious. They began back in 1965. So not only are you enjoying great coffee, but you also can feel good about helping uh, support a Colorado company that is a great partner in the community. BoyersCoffee.com is where you can find them online, all their different flavors. You can have it delivered right to your house as I do, or you can go to your favorite grocery store and find Boyers Coffee there as well. BoyersCoffee.com. Now back to more with Mark Mosier. You appreciate the, the great years, the years where you go, hey, we, we are legit, and, and obviously you're in a you know, great period. You know, the Rockies have been down the last couple of years, um, but 17, good year, 18, good year. And when you're in the midst of those, I mean, you're as professional each day, no matter what, but you really appreciate when you go, hey, we're pretty good, man. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's because, Drew, too, it's, you know, sports fans, they got to know it because they, they live it, too, with their team. But it's hard to win. I mean, even, even, you know, even though you have a, like the Avs are still a really good club, but man, it's hard to win. You think back to those Avs teams that, that could have won more. And I know Pierre Lacroix, uh, you know, God rest his soul, what a great GM and, and a great man, but he wishes that they'd won more. He thinks they should have won more. It's hard. It's very, very hard. And even for the, for the very best teams that spend to the, to the hilt, now, things do have to go right. I mean, they really do. And there's there's more to it than just 
spending money on dudes and throwing them onto the field or throwing them onto the ice or the court. A lot of things have to go your way, and only one can do it. So I agree with you. I think that it, when you get into the seasons that are really good, enjoy that ride. And I've been trying to do that, and the cool part is that the abs have been you – know, they've been building and building and building. And you go from, from what is the worst season ever, you know, Jared Bidnar's first year in 48 points, and you're by far the worst team in the league, by far the laughing stock. Well, then you go right back to the playoffs the next year, and now you're four straight years into the postseason. Yeah, enjoy it, it, it the best you possibly can. I know the players, their mindset is different now, but I just I just try to go to the to the rink or to the studio every day and try to uh, try to have fun with what I'm doing. When, when you break this team down, Moj, which you do every day, and then you do it on radio, uh, you know, frequently. Also, you know, you got the as we taped this, you had the Golden Knights tonight. Golden Knights are talented. St. Louis is coming on. I don't think they had the kind of regular season, at least up to this point, that most people expected. But anyhow. Injuries, COVID, if the avalanche are full go, what are your main concerns? I think my main concerns would be, are they going to be out physical at all? You know, you look at the last couple of years, and the, you know, the, the bubble was difficult last year because it was a new experience for everybody. But, but, but DG, they, they ran into injuries big time. You know, they're, for, the, for the second time in three years, they're on their third string goalie. And, you know, you're missing this key guy and that key guy. Landis Scott gets cut in the leg. And, you know, all these different guys are out of the lineup. Uh, and part of it was because you got punched in the mouth a little bit by the Dallas Stars. I don't think they should have lost that series. And certainly with a full complement of players, even Dallas punching you, that is, you know, that that is an issue. And Jared Bednar has even admitted it, Drew. He said, you know, I, we'll find out when we get there. Listen, we're more of a skating team. We want to inflict our speed on squads. And, you know, he knows very well that some teams are going to try to get in their kitchen and they're going to try to mess with the abs, especially their top guys. I mean, Nico Rantanen, once he got into the top five in goal scoring in the NHL, every single night it's extra cross-checks, extra slashes behind the plate, extra everything, and they're trying to drive him off his game, the opposition is. And sometimes it even works. You know, it really does. So how do you handle that once you get into the uh, the, the postseason again and, and – that's the part of the problem, Drew, is that teams know, and, and Vegas is really, really good, but Vegas top to bottom can't skate with the abs. Nobody can in the West. Even though you have some great skaters, great players on any given team, they know that if they get into an avalanche type of game, they can't win, period, end of story. So that would be my number one concern. Can you physically handle it? And then that, that dovetails into what's happened to them the last you know three years, essentially. The injuries have just taken their toll. Outside the Nashville series, when they were just up and coming and they took the number one team to six games, two years ago, you're losing game seven on the road at San Jose. Last year, you're losing game seven to the Stars. You're missing a bunch of guys. The, the physicality, does it lead to health problems? That would be my main concern. But in terms of their structure of play, the mentality, and the will to win, I have no problem with that, including the goaltending. I think Philip Grubauer is absolutely capable of backstopping this team all the way. Yeah, I mean, he's had a, a, a Vesna Trophy caliber season. But he'll likely see uh, either Friday or Saturday night. And what Jared Bednar indicated is that, hey, look, uh, he played, you know, he had five days off. We needed, you know, we needed to rest him. Gave him a start, played great, and then the COVID thing. And then. He hasn't played since. So they're going to need to get him up to speed. They're going to need to get him fine-tuned. 
They're going to need, to need to get him that competitive level that they need him to be, and then they'll unleash him in the postseason. And, and that's why I'm not even sure why you would like to be the number one seed. I'm not even sure that home ice, you know, where you finish right now, Drew, matters because you've clinched the playoff spot. I think if you're the Colorado Avalanche, you take health. Number one, health over everything else. And the, the majority of guys should be back in time for the postseason for sure. Well, if they're if they're skating anywhere close to full strength, uh, look out. Yes, there's going to be less room to skate in the, in the postseason. We know playoff hockey is completely different than most uh, most games in the regular season. Uh, but again, they're a joy to watch. They're one of the fastest teams uh, the, in, in recent memory, especially when McKinnon's lines out there. And I mean, he's an absolute jet. And they're, in the depth, all of a sudden, they they, they went from having. Uh, you know, probably the weakest blue line in hockey to to one of the deepest blue lines in hockey. So the components are there, but there's nothing more difficult, as you well know, than winning 16 times uh, in the NHL when you get to when you get to the late spring. Oh yeah, and how many times have you seen teams, even with maybe the best team, and it's a balance. You know, the difference I think that fans need to know that sometimes the difference in a hockey game, you could play. Excellent hockey for 59 minutes and 50 seconds. Excellent hockey. Man, it, it, 10 seconds can cost you everything, you know, or a bounce. You know, it ricochets off the end glass, comes over the goalie's head. It's a, a goal mouth scramble, I mean. It's, the, the margin, it, once you get down to the, the postseason and the really good teams, the margin between winning and losing uh, on any given night is uh, is very thin. So, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. It's it's just a dang hard thing to do. I mean, now I've been privileged to, to see the Abs do it, uh, you know, and, and cover some other stuff that you know with teams that were doing it. But it's uh, it's just not. It's just I don't know. I don't know if there's anything more difficult than winning a Stanley Cup. I know I'm biased. I, I know that, that. Hey, listen, maybe sailing is tough. I don't know, but uh, I just think in sports, man, it's it's 16 grueling games, and you gotta you gotta win those, and you're gonna play a lot more than that. Yeah, I always felt like when I was uh, when I was uh, on America's Cup that it was really difficult to try to win that thing. When you were the coxswain on the, on that one that one team, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Absolutely. Drew has more with Mark Mosier right after this. Hey, I want to introduce you to a family law firm I could not recommend any higher or more enthusiastically. Uh, We know that unfortunately divorces happen and people grow apart. It's a reality and it's a most difficult time and a difficult process to navigate. And when you are in the midst of that or embarking on that, you need understanding and compassion coupled with outstanding legal advice and counsel naturally. You'll find it, trust me, at one of the top family law firms in the region in Cox, Baker Page. They have been celebrated and honored for their work and their compassion for a number of years by U.S. News and World Report. And Laura Page and Mary Cox are consistently listed by them with a best lawyer distinction. If you are someone or you know someone who needs some assistance, reach them at coxbakerpage.com. That's coxbakerpage.com. Mention you heard it from me and receive a discount on your initial consultation. Once again, it's coxbakerandpage.com, a family law firm. Now back to Drew with special guest, Mark Mosier on the Drew Goodman Podcast. All right, let's talk shop for a moment. How difficult have you found it to call road games as we're doing now in baseball? You've done it all season in hockey where you're calling it off monitors. Yeah, you and I were 
let's 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 take ourselves back to last April, right? And, and you're supposed to be in your season, and, and the Habs are supposed to be finishing their season, getting ready for a postseason run, and then everything shuts down, and, and rightfully so. I mean, we we had no idea what we were dealing with, and and then the league has decided that they, they want to try to make it right. But at that time, once you have it taken away from you, and I'm sure the players felt the same way, you know, Drew, I was ready to broadcast from a, an isopod on Mars, if that's what it took. I mean, or, you know, throw throw me, you know, bathe me in, in Windex and, and, you know, whatever it takes. And then you get into it. So Peter and I, last summer, because we were trying to keep the fans engaged, Peter and I actually called – some simulated games. We had a, the computer game, right, run games, and Pete and I called them off our computers, him at his house and me at my house, but we called simulated games just for the fun of it, right, just for fans to, to stay engaged and say, oh, I missed my avalanche, and, and we had fun with it as well, but I honestly truly believe that it helped us for the bubble. I'm sure that some guys, you know, when you first step into a studio and you've got to call it off a TV, and it doesn't matter how big the TV is because – you can't see what you can't see, and there's nothing you can do about it. Now we have, you know, a shot of the, the all the ice from from you know from one end. We've got a shot of the benches and so on. But you're looking around at different monitors trying to figure out what's going on, and it's we can do it. And hopefully, it sounds it to, to the average fan at home. Hopefully, it doesn't sound any different or much different than what they're used to. But I can assure you for the broadcasters, it's not the same thing. And I think that, you know, the, the summertime, those simulated games helped us. Certainly when we got into the bubble, not all teams were able to even get into the bubble. That helped us. But there are certain challenges with calling off a monitor, including being when, when the team is on the road, you know, being at the mercy of the opposing team's broadcast because we have access to one camera and then all the other cameras or all the other replays and whatever else comes our way comes from the opposition. So, you know, they don't want to show maybe a good play that your guy made. You know, they don't want to do this or that. And for Pete, I can't even imagine for him, Drew, as you know, he watches all the ice. He's watching behind the play. He's looking at the benches. He's, you know, reading his body language. He's doing all this kind of thing. And, and I'm focusing on the puck mostly. And all of that is essentially taken away from him, and so he's got to he's got to switch from monitor to monitor to monitor and try to try to you know formulate what is important to him, and so it does make it more difficult. There's nothing like being at the rink, and I, I say I hope the broadcasts don't suffer, but there are confusing times. Uh, there will be a whistle, and neither of us have any idea what happened. Was it a penalty? Was it a high stick uh, puck knocked down with a high stick? You know, you think you know if it's an offside, um, but they don't always, you know, they're, they're not always at your mercy talking about the other team's broadcast. And the camera can only see so much ice. It, it, it can't see everything. So there have been challenges, as you know. Oh, uh, yeah. There are a couple just in San Francisco the last couple of days where was uh, one or two balls you, you thought were fouled off. And, and then you realize, they're, no, they're in the field of play. And, uh, you know, it's a pop-up. And, yeah, it's, it's difficult. Uh, you know, we're all fortunate and blessed to be, to be working again. And, and hopefully in time we're back, uh, you know, to, to do the games properly for the folks at home, you know, in, in the stadiums, in the arenas, um, so you can have sight lines and you can present it you know, in a proper fashion. Yeah, and plus you're in the environment too, Drew. I mean, you know, when you're in front of a hostile crowd in Philadelphia – 
That adds to part of the juice, doesn't it? I mean, that's sure, no question. You spend your mornings running by Ben Franklin's grave, and then you get to the ballpark in the in the afternoon and and get ready for your nighttime broadcast. And uh, you know, that's that's that, that's you know, that's part of what it is. It's it's being there too, and I think all of that adds. Plus, you know, Peter and I, we're we're locker room guys. We go in and we talk. We don't just go in and and, and stand around and hey, how are you? You know, we. We ask specific things. Okay, you know what what is working with your line? What didn't work last game? What what have they been doing to you? You know, we get certain information that you simply cannot glean off of a Zoom call with with ten reporters on it. You know, and it's it's you know you get tidbits of information here or there because when you travel with the guys and you're around the guys all the time, there's a certain amount of trust that's built up, and you lose all of that because you're not in the room. You know, and you're not talking to the opponent's broadcasters all the time, or you're not even going into the opponent's room and talking to them. And, and there's insight about, okay, well, here's what worked for the Wild, you know, the past couple of days, and here's what, you know, what this guy is all about that, that the fans don't know. I mean, there are more layers to add on when you're actually at the rink and be able to be in the room. And, and you know, to do your job, I think, more effectively, you add all these different layers on that I don't know if the average fan knows that's what makes the broadcast better or what makes the broadcast so good. But but we know in our heart of hearts that we're doing our very best job when you can provide all that stuff to the uh, to the audience out there. Yeah, I mean, that that's well articulated. I've said this many times over the last, you know, more or less year when when the topic comes up and you don't in any way want to, you know, sound ungrateful. We're, we're thrilled to be able to have games again and, and so on. But what you said is right on the money to do our jobs properly and to present the product to the people at home in the best fashion. One of the most important things I do, and I, I this is what you're saying, Mo, we're going to read, you know, before we before you get to the rank, um, just like before I go to the ballpark, you're going to read, you know, volumes of information, different research packets that you get and, and so forth. But the most valuable stuff that I do, and that's what I'm hearing from you, is the time spent in the clubhouse, on the field, around the batting cage, talking to our guys on a daily basis, talking to the opponents, talking to their manager, their coaches. You develop, you know, a network of, of you know, contacts, the other team's broadcasters, and you get stories that you may not have gotten any other way. And there is the trust factor because you're traveling with them. All of that right now is lost. In fact, I've had a couple guys, Daniel Bard, who's such a great story. I know how closely you follow, you know, the Rockies as well. I had him on the podcast, Moj, late last summer when, you know, he literally was the best story in all of baseball. Guy had been out for seven years, right? And I said, hey, man, at the end, I said, congrats, dude. You know, I hope to meet you next spring. I still, as we speak right now, he's the Rockies' closer. I have never met him personally. Yeah, and that, it's such a foreign feeling. And, and it may be to the, to, the, to the listeners of the podcast, they're going, oh, what's the big deal? Uh, it, it is a big deal because, it's it, again, it's the layer aspect of the broadcast. Listen, you calling you calling a, a a shot to the to the to the gap in in left center for a double, you know you can do that and you'll do that off a monitor, you'll do that from the booth wherever. But if you layer that with hey, if, you know so and so told me this morning he's he's going to be looking for uh, you know a three one the slider in this situation and then he tees it off into the gap, 
you know, every little thing I think adds, Drew, and then during the broadcast, you know, it all adds up, right? It all, it all adds to, to the knowledge of the fan, the understanding of their team, the opposition's team, and they want to know their guys. I mean, in, in all honesty, I want to hear what Drew Goodman tells me about his conversation with Daniel Bart. That's what I want to know. I mean, what, you know, I'm not going to be in that clubhouse, so what's he like as a guy? What is he like to throw in certain situations, you know? And you're not giving away any sort of inside dope and inside information that, oh, man, when he's down 3-1 in the count, he's always going to try to nibble the, the outside corner, you know, whatever. But you're not that kind of thing. Give away, you know, state secrets. But, it's you know, this is what I know he's comfortable with. This is what he told me. Hey, he was very honest about this, and, you know, it's, his family is so thrilled that he's back in the big. I mean, relay the human aspect of it too. I think, and I don't want to put you know too much on it, Drew, but but it, it, it matters. Put it that way. Now, whether you think it matters a tiny bit as a fan, or you think it matters a lot as a fan, me as a broadcaster, I think it matters, and that's why I, you know, we try to relay as much as we possibly can about about our interactions too, because we are the conduit to the fan or the conduit from the field. From the dugout, from the clubhouse to the people at home. Yeah, no, that's what it's again. It's it's well put, and um, you know, hopefully at some point in time we get back to that. Have you heard anything in the NHL? Is there going to be status quo through the playoffs? Um, uh, you know, the first round, obviously, you guys still you know have the ability to partake in in, in at some level. Um, will, will anything change, or is it going to be status quo this year? Uh, you know, I haven't heard anything new about that, uh, DJ. It's I think it's whatever the league it's whatever the league says is okay. And you know when when all this happened and the league came back out talking about the NHL now, and I was listening to Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly, he said, "Look, we don't want to. It's important for us to get through the season. It's only 56 games, and revenue-wise, even recouping any kind of revenue, whatever. First of all, we want to re- award a Stanley Cup, but we want to do it." smart, healthy, and, and we want to finish the season. So we don't want to take away, you know, we don't want to try to mitigate variables as much as we can. We want to take away as many variables as we can. And I understand that. I understand the league's number one obligation is to get through the season. Um, but I don't know, maybe things change. I know we're doing better. Colorado has certainly opened up more. You know, we've got fans at Ball Arena back. Hopefully that will increase. Uh, fans at Coors Field have been great, and uh, while I haven't been there yet, I've I've certainly watched you and and, and seen the fans there. And I got double poked. I mean, I you know I got I listen. If they said drink this you know gallon of uh, of hydrogen peroxide and take eighty seven shots to be able to go to the rink, I guess I'm doing it. <laughs> you know that's that's the way I operate. So I'm I'm fully vaccinated. Uh, you know, I got my card. Uh, I don't know what the science says or what the science doesn't say, but I'm hopeful that we'll be allowed in buildings and more fans will be allowed in, in all the buildings coming up here as we get into the postseason. And, and hopefully for this Avalanche team, it's a, it's a deep type of run. Yeah, a- amen to that. Hey, real, real quick transition before I let you fly. I know you've got a busy day. Um, doing talk radio, which you've done throughout. In fact, when I first got to know you, that that's what you were doing. You were doing talk radio, and I know back in in Sacramento, you had done you know play by play, and and uh, I think I think at one point you were doing stuff in the CFL. Am I right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. beautiful. I mean, 
<laughs> Those are the good old days, Drew, when the, the CFL expanded into the state. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's all. I mean, that's awesome. Uh, you, the, you know, the road to wherever the heck you want to get to is is so important to enjoy that road too. But do do you still enjoy you know day in and day out? Doing talk radio, no, okay, I'm gonna, I gotta, you know, I gotta fill two hours, I gotta fill three hours, that sort of thing. Even on the days where nothing really compelling is going on, you know, it makes it easier with the partners that I have now. And I think part of it, and it, it, when we go back again to the to last March and the stoppage of everything, so we get into, and, and nobody knows what's going to happen. Will the leagues resume? Will any league resume? Will there? You know, you're looking for, you remember when the Korean baseball was such a big deal when it came back, right? And, and I'm watching, you know, Korean baseball at, at, you know, South Korean baseball at, at five in the morning. Um, and we were looking for anything to talk about, but because I'm with Vic and because we're with the youngster Brett, uh, you know, the, the, the kid out of Omaha, we all get along so well and we all can seemingly make, you know, uh, a chicken salad out of whatever comes our way. It's just it's a more natural feeling. It's an easy thing to do. Um, I guess I, I get tired of silly minutia things. Like, I'm pretty much over the NFL draft, to be honest with you. I mean, I've, I've read everything I can read. I've, you know, seen everything I can see. I don't know what the hell's going to happen. You know, but let's, let's get it on and find out. But I still, I still, get, I still enjoy getting up every morning and, and talking about, and as you know, because you did it for, uh, for a long time, too. When there are good, juicy stories, Drew, you know, when there are good – you know, stuff you can really sink your teeth into, and there's nothing like that. You know, and you get a couple of other guys who are hot and bothered, and maybe they're on, you know, they have a different point of view, but it's it's a really good story. Any things that I think are incredibly interesting or important in the sports world, those are my best days. You know, those are those are my favorite days, but uh, but I still enjoy it. I mean, I still enjoy getting on the mic and, and shooting the breeze, and, you know, sometimes we say really dumb things, and I guess that's that's natural for me. That's where my brain is at on some days. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I do, man. And it, 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 it helps, as you know, uh, because you've worked with a lot of guys over the years. It, it helps when you have partners that you genuinely like and you can genuinely really have a chemistry with. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's entirely accurate. Moj, uh, hang on the line after I say goodbye. I'll talk to you for one sec off mic. But, um, hey, keep kicking ass. Get those abs going. Tell Maxie uh, hello for me. And uh, I love what you do. And, and I'll tell you, my, my middle son in particular, actually, my, all my boys are huge abs fans. So my middle son is going to school in St. Louis playing ball there. He was at, uh, he was at the game the other night. Uh, he does not miss any of your broadcasts. So uh, he's all in. Awesome. Tell him thanks so much. And great to be on with you, Drew. I appreciate it. You tell him, like, man, to keep knocking into McCovey COVID. And uh, we'll be okay. Yeah, that, absolutely, man. Good talking to you, Mo. Take care, brother. You got it. Always fun talking to Mark Mosier. Couple keys. Injuries are always key to winning anything. We understand that. But the the Avalanche must, 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 must have Philip Grubauer. You you got to have, as he was talking about, you got to have that backstop. We all know that uh, he is good enough, plenty good enough to win a Stanley Cup, but you got to have him. And then, you know what would be nice? When, when you talk about bit players who I think are, are really important to the Avalanche, and this next guy got hurt last year with concussion in the postseason, and he's been you know, hurt a good portion of this year. But if they could get a few rounds out of Matt Calvert, boy, do I love his game. 
boy, do I love what he brings to a fourth line. You know, one, one of the favorite uh, adjectives um, to describe a player like him and the importance of him is you got to have character guys. Well, Matt Calvert's a character guy who is so valuable, and I keep my fingers crossed that he's be he's going to be able to return to health and and uh, and play a role, hopefully, uh, with the Avalanche going forward. Before we get on out of here, the NFL draft. Uh, as we tape this is tomorrow over the next, at least the first round is, and over the next few days, and you know, people have been debating this for months, and, you know, quite honestly, it gets monotonous after a while. Uh, just some advice for NFL franchises. Far be it for me to pass along advice to uh, general managers, uh, as I did earlier for, for any club, but now I'm going to go ahead since I'm on that uh, soapbox and, and do it for NFL teams. There are some teams that... that get it more right with quarterbacks than other teams. And those teams are ones that instead of saying, remember years ago, they they draft a quarterback and say, well, you know, you got it. You can only win a Super Bowl from the pocket. Um, so you, you tried to take a quarterback with a certain skill set and make him adapt to, to your playbook. And then some teams finally got creative and said, hey, this guy, like Baltimore, We're drafting Lamar Jackson. He has a unique skill set. He can really run in addition to throw the football. So why don't we set up a playbook that works to his talents and his strengths as opposed to making Lamar Jackson run my offense or our offense and see how it's worked out for Baltimore? Look at Allen up in in Buffalo. Another guy who has the ability to be a really strong runner. So they've adapted their playbook to Allen's strengths. And for the Broncos, I would say the same thing. If it's Locke, continue to tinker with your playbook as you continue to coach him up to put him in the best positions to utilize his skill set. And if you, you know, draft Justin Fields, if he fell into the Broncos' lap, put a playbook together for the skill set of that quarterback. I think we're seeing more teams do that. Uh, for years, NFL teams were resistant to that, and uh, they suffered the consequences. Hey, we'll continue on next week, as we always do again. Shout out to the DNVR boys. Give them a, a listen every day, Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman. And uh, we thank you very much for uh, joining us each and every week. That'll do it for this edition of the Drew Goodman Podcast. Tell your friends, and uh, we'll talk to you all soon. You've been listening to the Drew Goodman Podcast. Subscribe at iTunes or wherever you find podcasts. And leave a comment that helps other people find the show.